0: 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 27 is where we're going to be today. Let's read this word. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessing. Verse 24, do you know that in a race all the runners run but only one receives the prize so run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things they do it to receive a perishable wreath but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. Let's pray. Father we give you thanks for the day. I I thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. I thank you for this time that we have to gather together and to worship you. I I thank you for this church and their, their love for you, their willingness to to be here each and every Sunday, to give of their tithes, of their offering, to give of their time, to, to give of their service, to, to be faithful to you, to sing, to, to fellowship, to love one another, to love you. And Father, now as we come to your word, to hear a message from you. And so Father, I pray that you would give us the grace that we need to hear a message from you, to hear a word from you. Father, I recognize that I have a part in this. And so Lord, if you would, forgive me my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life. Give me the grace that is necessary to preach your word in a way to bring honor and glory to your name in a way to bring sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal in their relationship with you. Lord, we pray that if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, today would be that day, the day where they admit that they are sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. Lord, I... I pray for the unbeliever here today. And I just, I pray that you would penetrate their heart, that you would just make it obvious and clear to them of your love, of what you've done for them, the opportunity that they have today to be forgiven of their sin, to become a child of God. Father, for the believer that's here, that's struggling or going through hardships, I just pray, Lord, that you would give them the grace they need to worship you this morning. This morning. and yeah. Father, we love you. We pray all these things in your name. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. Uh, in 1985, December of 1985, uh, the San Francisco 49ers were playing a subpar Dallas Cowboys team When they're all pro safety Ronnie Lott broke his pinky. He broke his pinky smashed it and uh, The doctors after the game said hey you got two choices. I mean You could either Put a pin in it. We could have to do surgery and you could miss the playoffs or You could become a legend and you could cut your finger off and you could play in the playoffs. Ronnie Lott, if he would have been playing for the Cowboys, he would have said, no, I ain't." that's just, you know, that's. But he was a man, you know, he said, cut that finger off, I'm playing, you know. And he sacrificed his pinky finger to play in the playoffs. A lot of athletes who, are, who have sacrificed much to become great in their sports, You know, athletes aren't the only ones, though, who have sacrificed a lot to be great in their profession. Harry Styles says that when a person is labeled as famous, it takes away a lot of their substance that they have as a person. According to a psychologist, Pamela Stevenson, fame is extremely bad for your health. Many celebrities struggle with their mental health, including anxiety, depression, body image issues and other mental struggles. Another person says that being labeled as famous means losing what makes you a person. Fame comes with the inability to function as a normal human being. Nothing can be normal. Everything you do is being watched, photographed, questioned everywhere you go. It's as simple as, if it's as simple as going to the grocery store, getting gas or grabbing lunch, You're being watched. There's a video that went viral this week. Ben Affleck was opening the door for his wife, Jennifer Lopez, right? And he opened the door and he closed the door in a way that I guess how he closed the door meant that he was the most unhappy husband in all of Hollywood. I feel so bad for him, you know? So statistically, though, non-famous people live 25 years longer than famous people. And yet, many people are dying to be famous. No pun intended. Many know the risks and still hungry. What Paul is saying in our passage Scripture for today is that if a football player is willing to cut off his finger and a famous person or a, a musician or an, an actor is willing to sacrifice years of their life for fame, why aren't you willing to do the same for the sake of the gospel? Don't believe me. Let's look at verse 19. For though I am free of all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Paul says that as a believer in Christ, I have freedom from all things, and yet I am a slave to all. Why? So that other men and women would believe in Jesus. Last week I talked about Financial compensation, Paul said, I don't want money to be the reason why you don't believe. Like, I, I won't take a paycheck. I, I, I'll go without food. I'll go without water. I'll go without, without shelter. I'll endure all of the pains so that you might believe. There's nothing that I won't give up. It doesn't matter if you falsely accuse me, it doesn't matter if I'm beaten, shipwrecked, left for dead, put in prison. It's all for the gospel. So Paul wasn't satisfied though with the work that he had done. When he wrote this letter, he was in Ephesus. He was on his second missionary journey. He could have easily wrote this church off because he just said, "I got more important things to do right now than the problems that are going on in Corinth." I'm tired of these people. I'm tired of the problems. I don't want. It. He could have easily said, "You know, I'm done." Timothy, you take care of him. Barnabas, you... I'm done. But Paul was a servant to all. The word servant is, here, is doula doula ho in the Greek. It means to be enslaved, to be reduced to servanthood. Ever been demoted? Ever been put in position of power and had that power taken from you? It's humbling. But Paul says here, I voluntarily put myself in this position. I am a servant of the gospel. Whatever I need to do to be effective at reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I am willing. Whatever I, do, whatever I need to do to make disciples, whatever I need to do to have a platform, whatever it takes to see men and women turn from their sin and follow Jesus, Whatever it takes to see people stop wasting their life. Whatever it takes to see men and women repent of their sin and follow Jesus. Whatever it takes, I'll do it. Friend, your life is precious. It's valuable. The time that you have on this earth is limited, it's, 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 it's fleeting, it goes by fast. It's valuable. You're valuable, you matter. You matter to God. Your life is precious. It matters what you do with the time that you have. Don't waste it. Don't throw it away on doing nothing. God saved you for a reason. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth for a reason. He had purpose with his life. He had purpose with his death. He had... gives that to you. He allows for you to carry on the name of Jesus Christ, to have purpose, to have meaning, to have value. Paul dedicated his life to winning unbelievers to Christ. The verb to win is credino. It means to win over, to embrace the gospel. Men, do you remember trying to win over your lady? I'm not sure about you, but it took a little time, a little work for me. It's almost like she didn't want anything to do with me, you know? I mean, like, but I had to win her over, Mike, you know? You know, I had to, I had to prove that I, I was, you know, valuable. I was worth seeing. I was worth dating. And I had, I had something to offer, you know? I mean, it took. Took some time, took some winning over. Had to be persistent. The verb to win is used 17 times in the New Testament. 17 times to win. Paul uses it four times in these first four verses of this passage of Scripture. Paul is free to do whatever he wants, but what we see in these verses and throughout Paul's life is that he is willing to do whatever it takes to win over unbelievers to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ with their life. What is he willing to do? Let's look at verse 20. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews, to those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the, under the law, that I might win those under the law. A lot of law. In order to win uh, those under the law, in order to get those who are under the law to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, what did Paul do? He became as one under the law. Was he under the law? No. But he connected with the Jews as one who was. Paul knew this culture better than anyone. He, he knew how to communicate. He knew how to relate. And as a Jewish Christian, as a, as a Christian, Paul was willing to speak truth and love to this Jewish community. In hopes of what? Winning them over. In hopes that they would embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Acts, if you remember in Acts chapter 16, Paul had Timothy circumcised in order to open up doors for evangelism against the Jews. Amongst the Jews, sorry. If I'm Timothy, I'm having a conversation with Paul, though, my friend. You know, like, maybe there's a Jewish hat or watch I can wear instead here. You know, I mean, is there something I can do... Listen to what one of the commentators that I read this week said. Paul complied with the Jewish rites, customs, practices as far as he could with a good conscience. Nor did he needlessly offend them. He did not attack and oppose their views unless there was any danger that his conduct would be mistaken. Listen to what he did to win those outside of the law. To those outside of the law, verse twenty-one, I became as one outside of the law, not being outside of the law, but law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. In order to win those outside of the law, in order to get the Gentiles to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, what did Paul do? To the Gentiles, I became like a Gentile. Paul found ways to connect with the Gentiles in order to be effective at sharing the gospel. With them. If you remember in Acts chapter 15, Paul opposed those who tried to add Jewish requirements to Gentiles in order for them to be accepted within the church. Paul was willing to meet the Gentiles where they were at that place of their life in order to win them over to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't say, hey, hey, you need to look like this. You need to dress like this, you need to talk like this, act like this. You need, to, you need to see those Jews over there, you need to act like them, you need to look like them. You see me, you got to look like me, you got to act like me. That's not what he said. That's not what he did. He said, hey, I'll be like you. I'll act like you. I'll talk like you in order to, to win you over. In order that you might embrace the gospel. I'll do whatever it takes. You want me to act like a Gentile? Sure, I will. When I was in seminary, I had a professor he was, his first pastor was in central Texas. He said, listen, he goes, I'm a city boy. I grew up in the city of Dallas. He goes, I, I didn't I didn't own a pair of cowboy boots, but every man in that church wore boots to church. And he goes, well, So that's what I did. I bought a pair of boots. I sold my car and I bought a truck. You know, I mean, it's just, he just did whatever it took. He acclimated himself in order to be effective. Sometimes in order to be effective, you need to acclimate to the climate that you're in. Paul says in verse 22, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. In order to win the weak, in order for the weak to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, what did Paul do? He became weak. First, I've been to Buddhist temples in China. I, I've been to Hindu temples in India. I went to a, a house of idols in Ecuador. You know, when I, when I was in India, I, I was working with a, a missionary who, who ministered To Muslims so we would go to this Muslim mosque and we would observe Muslims praying now were we praying of course not when I was in when I was in college my freshman year my my roommate was Muslim he was from Tunisia northern Africa he was an immigrant and he asked me one day to go at the end of Ramadan to go with him to his mosque and I said I will but you got to come with me to church. Was I there to to praise Allah? Of course not. But in order for me to understand his culture, in order for me to be effective and and know how to minister to him, how to share the gospel with him, in order for him to come to hear the gospel, friends, I, I don't think there's anything more effective, more persuasive, more beautiful than the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if he comes to my church and he hears the gospel, there's nothing that must, like the Islam faith has that's better than the gospel of Jesus Christ, friends. Am I afraid to go in? Of course not. Am I, am I going to be persuaded to believe what he... No. But did it open up a door for him to hear the gospel? Yeah, it did. Friends, I could, I could write a book... On am the evangelistic mistakes I've made with my life. You know, I mean, you could, what not to do. Chapter one, Jeff Burns. You know, I mean, there could be all kinds of stories, all kinds of illustrations, all kinds of mistakes that would just, you could point your finger and laugh, you know. What I found to be the most effective is, isn't a... Three Circles or the Evangel Club or Romans Road. I mean, those are effective, and I've used them, and, and I don't have a problem with using them. But the most effective thing that you can do to share your faith with somebody is to love them, is to be their friend. You want to reach the lost, love the lost, be their friend, meet them where they are. Friends, lost people act like lost people. They don't act like you. And, and you know what? That's okay. Don't, don't have unrealistic expectations for their life. And don't fold your convictions just to meet their lifestyle. Don't be a, apologizing for what you believe. Be faithful and true. And at the same time, love them, care for them, be their friend. Take them to lunch. Find out about their day, their struggles, their hardships. Ask them questions about their life. And when the opportune time comes, share with them the hope that you have. Be prepared for that moment, that time, that opportunity that you have to share with them the truth of the gospel. Be a servant to them. And at the same time, be willing to win them over. Do you know what it takes? Listen to what Paul says in verse 24. Do you know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So the one that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an, imper- an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. I, I, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I may myself be disqualified. Paul is simply comparing the athletes who train for a prize to himself and likewise to all who believes who serve for a spiritual prize. In Corinth athletics was taken very seriously much like our own culture and society and times athletes would run for a prize. They would train hard for months on end and Olympic athletes would live in a town controlled by Olympia and they would live in this town for at least a month prior to their race. And they would, if they wouldn't live there, if they weren't training, then guess what? They would not get the opportunity to run. If they won the race, there was usually, a, like, a, basically it's like a 200-meter dash is what it was. And then they, they moved it to a 400-meter, and then they ran like a, a long-distance race. And, but you know what you would get if you won that race, an olive wreath, a perishable wreath. That's what they would get. That's the prize they were racing for. That's what they were training for. They were sacrificing time away from their family, away from their jobs, away from their... They were running hard every day. They were eating the right things. They were preparing themselves in the right way in order to win a wreath. Seems kind of foolish, does it not? What Paul is saying here is if these guys are willing to put their body through such rigorous training, if they're willing to sacrifice time away from their family, if they're willingness to be controlled by somebody else, if they're willingness to do all this for a wreath, aren't you willing to do that and so much more for the gospel of Jesus Christ so that other people might receive Jesus? Might no, like, What are you willing to do? For a race, for a wreath, that's what, I mean, we run and we race for a eternal reward. It's Mother's Day. Parents, how much time do we allow for our kids to learn how to play with a ball? How much time do we allow for them to spend each day studying for science or math or to play an instrument? How much time do we give them each day to play on an iPad or watch TV, play a video game? How much time do we prepare them for and train them up in the way that they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it? Proverbs 22, 6. How much time do we spend each day as they wake up and as they lay their head down, teaching them the word of God and pressing upon their hearts? Deuteronomy 6. How much time are we preparing for them? Training up our kids? 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul says this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith henceforth. There is laid up for me the crown of what? Righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to also all who have loved his appearing. Friends, we work, we train, we, we serve, we suffer. We, we give up of our rights to receive a reward. Friends, I, I don't know about you, but like I, I look forward to the day that I stand before my God and he says to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Like I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't want judgment. I, I, I want grace and mercy. And I, I know that I have a responsibility with this life that I have. And when that day comes, I don't want to regret the decisions that I've made on this earth with the time that I have. I want to re- live a life that brings God honor and glory. If I could take you back just to 1985 just for just a minute. Ronnie Lott says this about taking off his finger. He says, I regret it. He goes, I wish somebody would have told me not to do it. You know? Martin, I mean, he was a great football player, but he's well known for losing that finger. And he said, man, I wish I would have never done it. I regret it. Friends, let me tell you something. I, I don't want to live this life with any regrets. You know, Not, I, I, I can regret a lot of different things. But friends, let me tell you, I just, I know that doing what God has called me to do, being faithful to the Lord, I, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm true to God's word, If I'm true to his will, if I'm true to the calling that God has placed in my life, there will be no regrets. That day when my life ends, I will be able to say, as Paul has said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Friends, don't allow for this life to pass you by and look back and say, Man, I wish I could have I could have done more. If I would to be faithful, be true. Father God, we give you this day and we allow for this opportunity that we have to be your time. A time where you speak to us, a time where you move and press upon our heart your will for our life. And I, I pray, Lord, that you would today give us the grace to hear a message from you to know without a shadow of a doubt what you are calling us to do, who you are calling us to be, and give us the grace, Lord, today to be obedient to your will for our life. Father, I pray that if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, that today would be that day where they come forward and say, I need Jesus. Father, we would just give you all the honor and all the glory for the decisions that are made here today. Father, we pray that you would move and work in this place and that we would respond in a way that bring you honor and glory. Father, Lord, we love you and thank you so much for sending your son Jesus Christ to this earth to die for our sins. I pray, Lord, all these saints in his name and all of God's people said.